Thank you for downloading our audio tour. If you really want the complete experience of this tour, you should check out pictures, videos, and the other extras you can find in our free app. Download our free easy.travel app for iOS, Android, Windows Phone, and Google Glass now. Or visit easy.travel for more information. Bastion Park. The park boasts a rich past. During the occupation of Geneva by Napoleon, it housed cavalry stables. A little later, the area began to be used for potato plantations. It was only in the early 19th century that the land began to acquire a romantic character. According to the plans of General Dufour, the first botanical garden in Geneva was located here, but not for long. It was soon transferred to the right bank of Lake Geneva, where it remains to this day. Bastion Park became a great place to relax. It has a splendid golden gate with an interesting origin. Charles, Duke of Brunswick, lived in Geneva for only three years, but requested in his will that he be buried on a hill in a decent place, regardless of the cost. Instead, his multi-million dollar estate passed to the city. Brunswick's final wish was respected, the gates were erected and Bastion Park was built. In the shady park, you can hide from the sun or take refuge from the bustle of the city. There's an abundance of fine examples of botanical art here. Throughout the year, different varieties of trees, shrubs and flower beds magnificently bloom with unique colours. The park is a bastion for chess fans. All year round, they ponder intricate combinations on six giant chess boards painted directly on the ground. If you have a desire to play a game, then go to the entrance to the park close to the Place Neuve. The chess field is located there. But that's not all the pride of the park. It is here that you can find the Wall of the Reformation and the University of Geneva. Incidentally, the famous agent 007 James Bond studied at the University of Geneva and learned the Russian language in these walls, as did his father, British spy and author Ian Fleming. The University of Geneva The University of Geneva was founded in 1559 by the famous Swiss philosopher and reformer John Calvin as a theological seminary. In those days, up to 27 weekly lectures were presented by the most eminent professors. Even then, thousands of highly educated Europeans emerged from this seat of learning. Three centuries later, in 1872, it was awarded the title of the Theological Seminary University. Nowadays, everyone can find a speciality that is to their liking in this educational institution. There is a great choice of courses, provided by over 10 faculties, and the language of instruction is French. The university consists of several buildings. The old Unibastions, which we see before us, house the faculties of philosophy, theology and history. The students who study here in the park appear happier than the others. During their breaks between lectures, the entire class goes outside and sitting in the gazebo or on the lawn, they discuss the latest news. Monument to the Reformation. This monument was erected in 1909 in honor of the 400th anniversary of the birth of John Calvin. The Reformation wall was attached to one of the castle walls with which the city was surrounded until the mid-19th century. 
on the 100-metre monument, which you can walk along, the whole history of Protestantism has been captured. At the centre of the monument are towering five-metre-high statues of the four major figures associated with Calvinism. Guillaume Farrell, preacher of the Reformation in Geneva, John Calvin, reformist father, Theodore Beza, the first rector of the academy, and John Knox, the founder of the Protestant Church of Scotland. Three-metre-high statues and bas-reliefs can be seen on both sides, representing the most important Protestant figures and monuments from the history of the Reformation. Along the wall on either side of the central statue is written the motto that launched the reform movement in Geneva, After darkness, light. Even if this is untrue, don't say so next to this large, severe structure. You should behave quietly and talk about something intelligent here, such as the importance of the Reformation in European history. Place Neuve In the southwest of the old town, Place Neuve boasts the most beautiful and richest cultural attractions. All roads in Geneva lead to this guardian of the history of several generations. Look around. It's difficult to imagine that this majestic place was a mound that protected the city from invasion in ancient times. In those days, fairs were held here and brisk trade was conducted. As time went on, Geneva became more modern and a cultural centre formed around the square. Surrounded by the Grand Theatre, the Conservatory, the Rath Museum and Bastion's Park, the area looks especially elegant. In the centre of the square is the equestrian statue of General Dufour. I'll tell you more about that soon. The Place Nerve area invites you on an amazing journey through the old town. After all, if you know its history, you'll be able to become acquainted with Geneva. Statue of General Dufour Henri Dufour was unique and versatile. Active in political, military and scientific affairs in Switzerland, he created the first map of the country. His parents were immigrants from Geneva but lived in exile. Dufour was born in Romania in 1787. Then the future general studied in France where he continued his military service but his Swiss roots drew him back to his parents' homeland. Regaining his citizenship, Dufour began to teach at the military school. Interestingly, one of his students was the future French emperor Napoleon III. Yes, the nephew of Napoleon I. Dufour soon became chief of staff of the Swiss army. In the mid-19th century during the Civil War, he was able to stop the rebellion in just 25 days. Over the 87 years of his life, the general did a lot of good for his country. He was chair of the First Geneva Convention, during which the Red Cross was established. He designed the world's first suspension bridge, as well as creating the first map of Switzerland, which he worked on for 32 years. In 1863, during his lifetime, the summit of the highest mountain in Switzerland was named after the general. This is the Dufourspitze, 4,634 metres, of the Monte Rosa mountain. This will always remind us of his contribution to the history of the country. Geneva Conservatory Music, the only universal language. It's unnecessary to translate. Soul speaks to soul. 
The conservatory, built in 1835, is one of the most famous concert venues in the world. Many were financed by Geneva's patron, Bartoloni. The attractive design, convenient location and excellent acoustics immediately won the institution highly deserved fame. In the late 18th century, the composer Liszt studied piano here, and later Scriabin gave recitals. To this day, the best soloists and ensembles in the world perform in this venue, and it also plays host to several international festivals and competitions. Additionally, the Geneva Conservatory is an educational institution, attended by 2,500 students. Within the concert hall, they delight their audience with their performances. The Grand Theatre In 1875, the first stone of the Grand Theatre was laid. After it opened, it welcomed many brilliant composers and performers to its stage, including Tchaikovsky and Stravinsky. Its opera has been voted one of the best in Europe. Interestingly, the Parisian Grand Opera served as its prototype. The facade and luxurious interior decoration appear highly regal. The history of the theatre is full of prosperity and destruction. In the last century, something highly memorable occurred. On stage, the finale of Wagner's Valkyrie was being performed. The heroine was standing on a cliff, surrounded by fire, and suddenly the fire engulfed the entire building. People agree that it was like a mystical experience, but the Grand Theatre defended its right to life. Rebuilt from the ashes, it reopened its doors. Within these walls, the enchanting world of music dominates. Visit the theatre one evening and see for yourself. I promise you, you will not regret it. The Rath Museum There is an interesting story about the museum itself and its founders. A Russian commander of Swiss origin, Simon Lukic Rath, served his Russian fatherland for 29 years. From the late 18th century, as an adjutant to Emperor Alexander I, he rose to the rank of Major General, but he remained homesick and on retiring he returned to Switzerland. Before his death, he bequeathed a considerable amount of money to his sisters, on condition that they use it to benefit their homeland and perpetuate their name. The terms of their brother's will was obeyed. In 1826, they built the first museum in Switzerland dedicated to the visual arts. After it opened, the Ruth Museum held exhibitions, but eventually its own collection became so rich that its premises became too small to house it. The sisters decided to give the museum as a gift to Geneva. In 1910, the priceless exhibits were moved to the Museum of Art and History, which I'll tell you about later, but the Ruth Museum was used to host unique exhibitions. Today, you can see exhibitions devoted to archaeology, the ancient world, and modern works from around the world. By the way, for many of the museum exhibits, an audio guide is available that works with the same application you're using now. You can visit the museum and then resume the tour. City Wall One of the main stories about Geneva is connected with the wall, which we're now passing. From the 11th to the 12th of December 1602, under cover of night, the Duke of Savoy attempted to take the city by storm. According to legend, 
His evil plans were foiled by an ordinary citizen, Mother Royé. She knocked over a full pot of hot vegetable soup from the city walls right onto the heads of the climbing enemy. Genevans annually celebrate this event, called the Escalade, during the second weekend of December, which is dedicated to the citizens' victory over the army of the Duke of Savoy. According to tradition, during this celebration, mugs of hot vegetable soup are sold on the street and pots of chocolate painted in the colours of Geneva are exhibited in shop windows. The festival culminates in a procession with burning torches in the evening. Promenade de la Trey. You are looking at one of the most romantic alleyways in Geneva, the Promenade de la Trey. The rows of chestnut trees make it very pleasant. You don't want to leave here, do you? Now, let's go up the alley, at the end of which I promise you is a pleasant rest. From here, you'll have a nice view of the University of Geneva, that's situated in the Parc des Bastions, and in the background, you see the Salève in France, the closest mountain to Geneva. It's hard to believe, but this place was not always as quiet and peaceful as it is today. During the Reformation in the 16th century, it served as an observation post for the defence of the city, and only with the ending of the Troubles did Genevans turn it into a beautiful alleyway for walking and socialising. At any time of year, it's pleasant here. In winter, you can admire the snow-covered trees, and in sunny weather, they also offer perfect shade. Read a book, or simply chat while sitting on the famous Geneva bench. It's located at the top of the alley. When we reach it, I suggest you sit and rest for a while. It was considered the longest bench in the world, at 126 metres, until a new record was set in Britain recently. Genevans have an interesting tradition that has existed since the 17th century. On the Promenade de la Trey, the official chestnut tree grows, and when it grows its first leaf, the townspeople celebrate the arrival of spring, regardless of the date. The chestnut tree that announces the arrival of spring has adorned the Mall since 1929. The Town Hall For more than five centuries, the hall has been the political centre of Geneva. The construction of the building began in the 15th century and lasted until the 18th century. The ancient building complex is preserved in the courtyard. The oldest part of it, the Bode Tower, was erected in 1455. The overpass with a paved spiral staircase surrounding the tower was made for those who came to a meeting on horseback. The town hall remembers many international documents that have been signed within its walls. On the ground floor, you can see the famous Alabama Hall where, in 1864, the International Committee of the Red Cross was founded and where, in the early 20th century, the League of Nations first met. Interestingly, an important tradition for Genevans was recorded at the town hall. Remember the famous chestnut tree on the Promenade de la Trey that we just passed? It can be seen from the windows of the town hall. The appearance of the first leaf marks the arrival of spring. The Secretary of Municipality commemorated this event on a special tablet, which has existed for several centuries, so each morning civil servants begin with a greeting from this amazing tree. Arsenal 
Genevans originally used this structure as a food warehouse in the 17th century. At the start of the Reformation, it was converted into an arsenal until 1877. For a long time, barracks and an armory were located here. Today, the pillared building and its cobbled floor houses the Geneva State Archives. It can tell you a lot about the rich history of Geneva. In the arsenal, a huge number of old weapons have survived. The most significant artefacts are the five cannons, which still guard the entrance to the building. The pride of the townspeople is the three unique mosaics adorning the façade. They reflect major historical events in Geneva. Julius Caesar's arrival in town, the reception of the Huguenot refugees and the first trade fair. By the way, during the Escalade festival that we mentioned earlier, Genevans still hold a fair in front of the arsenal. Here you can drink delicious vegetable soup and take home a beautiful distinctive chocolate bowl as a souvenir. A small thing, but very nice. The Rousseau Museum in 1712, the great philosopher, writer and composer Jean-Jacques Rousseau was born here. He lived here until he was ten years old, after which he was sent to boarding school. His life did not unfold easily. The Great Wanderer Persecuted for many years by needs and criticism, he wandered across Europe. Patience is bitter, but its fruit is sweet, wrote Rousseau. His recognition and success were richly deserved. Geneva honours the memory of its famous citizens. In 2002, the Rousseau Museum opened in the home of the writer. This is not a traditional museum where the appearance of the interior is recreated and there are objects belonging to the owner. A 25-minute audio-visual journey in five different languages will acquaint you with the teachings of the philosopher and demonstrate the impact of his work on life in Geneva at that time. Once a month, the museum hosts themed evenings when admirers of the great thinker gather. My job is to tell the truth and not make people believe it, commented Rousseau. Geneva is rich in museums. The Barbier Muller, however, is the most unusual one of all. Their exhibitions and rare collections of the works of ancient civilizations are second to none. Two collectors from Switzerland founded the museum. The eldest of them, Josef Müller, began to collect objects from Africa, Oceania, the pre-Columbian Americas and antiquity in the early 20th century. Jean-Paul Barbier, his son-in-law, shared his fascination and assembled a precious collection of objects from all around the world. After the death of Josef Müller in 1977, the Barbier-Müller family launched this museum. Jean-Paul Barbier-Müller and his descendants continue to add to the collection of rarities, which now features about 7,000 exhibits. Barbier-Müller represents moving to another time and place and observing the unusual culture of other amazing countries. The City Museum Tarvel House Tarvel House is an amazing building. It's the oldest preserved medieval residential building in Geneva. In the mid-19th century, the wall was destroyed by a great fire. The owners, wealthy aristocrats named Tarvel, restored the building, making it resemble in appearance the castle and city palace at the same time. In the following centuries, 
the house had different owners. It was only in the mid-twentieth century that it became the property of the city and was restored. Now the town museum is located here. Today, it houses a museum about the city's history, but it's not about kings and battles. Rather, the daily life of the citizens over the centuries. The exhibition features original things that people have enjoyed over the years, such as furniture, crockery, old photos and amazing handmade toys. The greatest pride of the museum is considered the Plan of Geneva from 1850, which was created by an architect over 18 years. One look at the plan and you can easily imagine what the city looked like at that time. Be sure to go to the museum to learn about the history of Geneva in detail. The Calvin Auditorium The history of this land dates back to the distant past. The first temple appeared here in the 5th century and, ten centuries later, a chapel was built. Sacred buildings were created in honour of the Virgin Mary. In the mid-16th century, the great Genevan reformer John Calvin turned the church into a lecture hall in which to deliver his preaching. He was a great orator and politician, but also a brutal dictator. He published laws banning the elaborate clothes, the wearing of jewellery, having fun, singing and dancing. People could and should only indulge in prayer, and organs and church music were removed from every temple to be replaced with psalms. If you broke the rules, you could expect a severe punishment. But back to the story about the Calvin Auditorium. So Geneva embraced the Reformation and Protestant refugees flooded the city. Many of them did not understand French, so Calvin allowed them to conduct services in their native language in the halls of the auditorium. This tradition survives to this day. In the auditorium, Calvin prepared the first edition of the Bible in English, known as the Geneva Bible. Calvin's ideas formed the basis of the activities of a huge number of Christian sects that have attracted parishioners from around the world down to our own day. When visiting the Calvin Auditorium, you feel imbued with the historical spirit of Geneva and acquainted with its great, difficult past. St. Peter's Basilica Genevans can be justifiably proud of this famous architectural monument. The history of the cathedral dates back to the distant past. Its foundation stone was laid in 1160 and its construction was completed over the following century and a half. Note the severe architecture in the Romanesque style, but the Gothic touches give it a subtler look. Over time, the cathedral even acquired a neoclassical silhouette. During the Reformation, the Calvinists irrevocably destroyed the splendour of the interior decoration. Fortunately, during the chaos, the amazing stained glass windows, elaborately created capitals, choir and pulpit were preserved. The cathedral's most famous possession is the Calvin chair, which is austere and eye-catching compared with the rest of the decor. One of the numerous stories about the tyrannical reformer is that John Calvin decreed that every Swiss person had to attend 17 services per week. If someone missed even one, a huge fine was imposed. St Peter's Basilica has many faces. In its grounds, 
you can find the Museum of the Reformation, a unique museum of archaeological excavations and the famous Calvin Auditorium. I'll tell you about them soon. I highly recommend that you go to the right wing of St Peter's Basilica. You'll find yourself in an unusual room, which is different from the general appearance. This is the only room that was not affected by the Reformation. Finally, be sure to visit the North Tower of the Cathedral. Be prepared to climb the spiral staircase consisting of 157 narrow steps. The first ascent will not be difficult, but the higher you go, the steeper the steps, and the width does not exceed 50 centimetres. By the time you overcome the difficult climb, you will have the opportunity to relax and enjoy the unique panoramic view of Geneva. Taking pictures is necessary because such beauty certainly needs to be in a picture. The Archaeological Museum The Archaeological Museum will allow you to dive into the long history of Geneva. It is located directly under the cathedral as this is the oldest part of the city and the place of greatest interest. Its many rooms will surprise you with their exhibits and, be prepared, it is simply impossible to see everything on one visit. Each of the museum's rooms is unique and interesting in its own way. Ancient monk's cells, the 11th century crypt and the reception hall of the bishop all are located within its walls. As shown by the excavation under St Peter's Basilica, there are the remains of hidden churches here. The earliest of these dates back to the 4th century. Archaeologists have found a well, barn, mosaic floors and burial sites of Celtic tribes. These findings tell us what was on the hill during the pre-Christian period. Now you have a unique opportunity to learn about the ancient culture and history of Geneva. The Museum of the Reformation The museum opened in 2005 and two years later was awarded the title of the best museum in Europe. There are 12 themed rooms in the iconic House Mall next to St Peter's Basilica, where in the 16th century Genevans voted for reform. Reformation. Calvin plunged into the work. Disaffected rebels awaited the explosion. The basic teachings of the new church are published and everywhere chaos reigns. A cruel time and the exhibits would tell us about it. Manuscripts, rare books, engravings and magnificent paintings. They describe the life and culture of the Reformation. You can listen to music and watch films about life in past centuries. The most precious possession of the museum is the first Bible to be printed in French. You will be pleasantly surprised by the historical materials on the city's most famous son, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, writer, thinker and composer. We can agree that Geneva has its own tragic story, but today it's one of the most elegant and respectable cities in the world. Terrace Agrippa d'Aubigny This terrace was named as a mark of respect to the French writer, poet and historian of the late Renaissance, and yet he is called a knight of Protestantism. Theodore Agrippa d'Aubigny was raised by a strict father, a Calvinist. His life was associated with the tragedy of the religious wars since childhood. Before the hung and beheaded bodies of Huguenots, 
the eight-year-old Theodore swore an oath to his father that he would defend the cause of his co-religionists to his dying breath. At fifteen, Theodore fled with the army of the Huguenots. Wearing only a shirt and putting a knife to the throat of his guardian, he did not hesitate to do his duty and keep his oath to his father. Agrippa d'Aubigny fought for a total of thirty years. Between battles, he wrote his best literary works, filled with rage and despair. The names speak for themselves, for example in the seven-volume The Tragic Poem, which he wrote when he was about 39, Aubigny described the full horror of the religious wars, ending with a poem about the painting of the Last Judgment. This writer is often compared with Shakespeare. Perhaps this historical site will inspire you to read his masterpieces. After all, Aubigny lived and worked in this house for a long time, next to a wonderful terrace. He died at the age of 78, surrounded by strangers. It is said that on his deathbed, ever rebellious and anxious, Agrippa struck up a psalm which in the old days led to battle his battalions. The Lutheran Church Man does not save his soul through the church, but through faith, wrote Luther. In this religion, there are no restrictions placed on the style of church buildings. Therefore, the structure of the Lutheran Church is more like that of the houses that were built in the 18th century by traders from Germany. Inside the cathedral, modesty and simplicity reign. Parishioners do not worship relics or icons. Here are found only paintings of the Saviour and the Apostles. The focus is the sacred altar. During services, hymns and carols are sung. The sound of the organ creates a festive atmosphere. After all, Johann Sebastian Bach himself wrote the music for the services. The basis of the doctrine is two sacraments, baptism and communion. The Rose of Luther has a very interesting symbolism. Against a white flower is a cross inscribed in a heart. This is the personification of joy and peace. Today, services in the Lutheran Church are held not only in German, as its parishioners are believers from around the world. The Palace of Justice The history of this building begins in the 18th century. At that time, the courts of Geneva were not situated here. Then, the walls were soaked in religion and faith. After all, it belonged to the convent of the Order of St. Clair. A century later, after being used temporarily as a hospital, the building became the Palace of Justice. To this day, hearings and trials are held here. The Palace of Justice has witnessed many high-profile cases. For example, a Russian politician was summoned to court in Geneva, accused of money laundering via a Swiss company engaged in the restoration of the Moscow Kremlin. The Palace of Justice is one of the attractions of Geneva, but it is better to view it from the outside rather than the inside, listening to the interesting stories of your guide rather than the harsh sentence of a judge. Place du Bourg de Four. In every corner of the world, there is a meeting place for lovers or friends. In Geneva, it's the square of Place du Bourg de Four. Surrounded by old houses, once inhabited by displaced reformers driven from their countries in the 16th century, the area appears particularly colourful. 
Bourg du Four was the centre of the old city ever since the time of the Roman Caesars. At that time, it hosted a busy cattle market. When coaches arrived in the 18th century, it provided parking for them in the central square. Slightly later, a charming fountain was built, which pleases people to this day. This is Geneva's oldest square, the heart of the old town. International people and locals gather on the terraces and in the restaurant on the square. The Museum of Art and History In 1910, the construction of this ambitious project was completed and the museum officially opened its doors. Genevans are proud of the 7,000 square metres of treasures from the fields of archaeology and fine and applied arts. The collection spans the history of civilization from prehistoric times to the modern era. Of course, seeing all the masterpieces takes time. The exhibits are divided by floor. Unique paintings, Monet, Chagall, Picasso and Renoir are in the Hall of Fine Arts, with vintage musical instruments, household items, themes from the ancient world. It is simply impossible to list them all, but everything is here. It is the largest encyclopedic museum in the world. During the Spanish Civil War, the most valuable exhibits were sent from the Prado Museum to Geneva, where they were carefully stored in this building. Words are inadequate. Seeing is believing. Incidentally, you can continue to use this application to listen to an audio guide about the Museum of Art and History's collections. Holy Cross Cathedral, Russian Church. Reverence and awe affect everyone who approaches an Orthodox church. The project's architect, David Ivanovich Grimm, displays his Russian religious roots. The master sought height. The cathedral hovers in the air, surrounded at its base by homes. Throughout Geneva, nothing has been built that is lighter or prettier. Its external charm is amplified by a small garden in which flowers and shrubs show their colours in harmony with the walls of the temple. The construction of the cathedral began in 1863, when the government transferred donated land to the Russian Orthodox Church. In Russia, the necessary funds had already been collected, and they paid for the present magnificent temple. Among the contributors were Emperor Alexander II and Grand Dukes and Duchesses. The consecration was held three years later, in the presence of eminent persons. The inexhaustible variety of finishes and multicoloured external decoration show the interaction between Russian and Byzantine art. Initially, the walls of the church are a celebration of colour and light. They are decorated with beautiful works of art and gilded figures. However, over time there have been problems with the protective coating and nowadays we can only see individual fragments of the brightly painted walls. The sky-blue vaults are covered with stars, but inside the main dome is an image of the Saviour. Below, in the frieze, are the faces of the saints. Brightly coloured stained-glass windows depict crosses of stars in the clouds. The gorgeous icons, white marble iconostasis and altar painting are unmatched. The shrines contain relics of martyrs and saints. I must add that, in the mid-19th century, Tuchev, Tolstoy and Rubel visited here. The baptism, 
and a few days later the funeral of Dostoyevsky's first daughter were held here. The walls of this church have witnessed many bright and sad days. The Geneva Cross Cathedral, the pearl of the Orthodox culture, is a place of beauty and light, a ray into the Russian soul. If you wish to know more, go inside and listen to the wonderful audio guide that tells you about the architecture of the church, the history of the icons and relics, and the Russian Orthodox tradition.